Okay, we start here on the top of him with Aleph by the two dots, four lines down. Amar Avlevi Barcham Rabbi Shimon Ben Lokish Loalam Yagiz Adam Yitzaratov Al Yitzara. Person should always the word rogaze and regaz here means to tremble, but here the Gemara is using it as a terminology of to fight against, to pit against. He should pit his Yitzaratov against his Yitzhara. Shnema Rigzu Vialtechetau. If you cause the trembling, cause this fight, then you will not sin. If you're successful at overcoming the Yitzhara, then great. If you are not successful, the next antidote to the Yitzhara is to learn Torah. That you should speak about that which is in your hearts. And there we're speaking about Torah. If that's successful, then great. If not, then you should read that on your Mishkav, as we said, at the end of yesterday's daf, that that Mishkav refers to Bishach B'chov Kumecha, to the reference to the saying of Kriyat Shema. Im mutav. If you're successful, if you overcome him, then wonderful. Vim lav, yiskorlo yomamita. Remind him about the end game. Shinemar v'dom Then the pasuk is that everyone in the end will be silent, and that's the day of reckoning, the day of death. If you're reminded of that, hopefully that will convince him to think otherwise. Amar of Levi Barchama Rabbi Shim ben Lakish. So again, I pointed this out before. It's a common occurrence in the Gemara and Brachot. What we have here is a continuum, not of thematic connections, but rather memrot of a certain individual. We began here with the statement of Yushu ben Levi with the Kriyat Mita, and then on that same pasuk we brought the interpretation of Rabbi Levi Barchama that also involved Kriyat But now we have another statement of Rabbi Levi Barchama Rabbi Shim ben Lakish. And this, again, is a non-sequitur. It has nothing to do thematically or topically with what we said before. But, but since it's brought by the same individual, the Gemara quotes another agatic interpretation of that individual. What does it mean by the Pasuk? That I gave you these items. Here are the number of items enumerated in the Pasuk. There's a Luchot Evan, Vatorava Mitzvah, Ashir Katavti Lhorotam. So what each of those mean? Luchot Ela Serta Dibrot. Those are the Ten Commandments, Torah Zemikra, that's the Umash, Vamitzvah, Zumishnah is the Torah Shibaupe of the Mishnah, Ashir Katavti that I have written, Elu Anivim Viktuvin. This is the rest of Nach. Lahorotam Zegmara. Rotam is Gemara, give Hora'ah to give Psakalaha. As we know that the Gemara takes care of the Mishnayot, interprets them, questions, and tries to reconcile between them. And through that you come to Psakalaha. Malamaid, Shuklam Nitnu, the Moshemi Sinai. That all these were given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. And what we know is that there's nothing new in the world, no Chidush in Torah that came after Mamad Har Sinai. So Mamad Har Sinai incorporated all of these items. Amr Bitzchak, Kolakore Krishma Almitato, anybody who reads Krishma Alamita, Ilochez Hervshel Shtepipiot Biados, as if he has a double edged sword in his hand. Shinamar, because the Pasuk says, Romamot Kelbi Gronam, they raise their voices towards Hashem in praise, the Hevri Pipiot Biadam, and they have a double edged sword in their hand. Mar says, My Mashmo, what does that have to do with saying Krishma Alamita? How's that connected? Previous Pasuk in Tehilim says, Dechtiv, the Hasidim will be joyous in the honor. They will sing on their beds. So that's the previous Pasuk. And that's the subsequent Pasuk, which is what we quoted before. What does that mean, singing on their beds? 
That's the saying of Kriyat Shema. So Ramud, Kelbi, Gronam, as they raise their voices in praise to Hashem and saying Kriyat Shema Al-Mitatam, then Chevri Pipi Otuadam, as if they have a double-edged sword in their hand. Anybody who reads Kriyat Shema on his bed, the Mazikim separate from him, they are distanced from him, Shinemar. So now the Quran So it says that the children of Reshef will be carried up by the Uf. Now, Pashup Shad was probably sparks. The sparks will fly up. But over here, the Quran says, Ven Uf Torah. How do I know that? Shinemar Hataif Enecha Bo Ve'enenu. If you put your eyes to it, Venenu and it no longer will be there. So that's what Rashi says. If you close your eyes to Torah, it is forgotten from you. It leaves you. And Reshev refers to Mazikim. Shnemar Mizerav Uluchumei Reshev Ketev Miriri. Brought down in the Klalot in Dvarim that the pangs of hunger or the person is sucked empty by hunger. Uluchumei Reshev by high fever. Viketev Rimi and bitter destruction. Do you see over here that Reshev refers to a negative type of hezek that comes about. So I go back to the puzzle, because now I say, Vnei Reshef, those Masikim come, Yegviu, Uf, Torah will remove them. So that idea of Kriyat Shema will take care of these Mazikin, and this goes back to what we said at the end of yesterday's daf, that a Talmud Chochem does not need to say Kriyat Shema because he's already going over his learning. The idea being that a person should fall asleep, Mitoch, a connection to Hashem, whether it's learning Torah, or saying psukim, either one is sufficient, and you should beseech of Hashem, you should ask Hashem for a pasuk of rachme to take care of you and to protect you overnight. So we see here again that the Torah protects the individual in this situation. Anybody who learns Torah, he is protected from these Yisurim. So again, the same quotes from the Psukim, that the idea being the Mazikim will be flown away or shot away by the Uf, by the Torah. And Uf we know from the Pasuk in Mishlei that says, If you close your eyes to Torah, it no longer will be there, you'll forget it and you will not have it anymore. And again, the Reshef comes from Yisurim, from the Chumei Reshef, which is the high fever that is mentioned in the Klalot. That even young children in the Gan know this information. Whenever you say that, or whenever that is stated in the Gemara, that means that it's in Furash Pasuk. Something in the Tanakh, explicit Pasuk, you don't need to teach this, and that is the Pasuk that's found. If you listen to the words of Hashem, and you do what is right in His eyes, and you listen to his mitzvot, and you keep his principles, any disease, any sickness that was in Mitzrayim will not come upon you. I am your doctor. So you see that it's clear that if you're Osik B'Torah, if you do what's right, then Hashem will protect you from Yisurim. Ella, the right interpretation, or what should have been said over here is, Any person has the ability to engage in Torah and does not engage. Hashem brings on him awful Yisurim, that cause him to, Pasuk says, Ne'alamti dumiya, I was dumbfounded with silence, Hecheshetim itov, I was silent from goodness, Ukevi ne'akar, and my pain was stirred up. So what caused my pain to be stirred up? Hecheshetim itov, that I was silent from goodness. Ve'in tov, Torah. And the word tov is referring to Torah, 
שנאמר כי לקח טוב נתתי לכם תורתי אל תעזובו. So you see that being silent from what which is good causes the pain to be stirred up. Even though he has the ability to do it, he is not making that effort to be osik b'torah, and that causes him the keivim and the yisurim muchuraim that are ochrim oto. I'm Rabbi Zera, v'yitaymer Rabbi Chanina, bar Papa Bo'urei, shalok midat ha-kosh baruch hu midat basar v'adam. Hashem's way of conducting himself is not like that of human beings. That basar v'adam, adam mocher chayfetz l'chavero, a person who sells an object to his friend, mocher atzuv, v'lokeach sameach. The seller is usually despondent, and the buyer is happy. Uh, Rashi describes this, and a person only sells things because he's under duress. And because of that duress, he's forced to sell things that he would otherwise want to keep. Even though he gave the precious thing to B'nai Yisrael called Torah, and he was happy about it. I gave you the Tov, meaning the Torah. Don't leave the Torah. Hashem is giving us instructions not to give it up. Even though he sold it to us and gave it to us, he still wants us to enjoy it and to use it properly. So he's encouraging us to keep up with it rather than to have it returned to him. Amarova, adam person sees that there are problems that he is having, there are negative things happening to him. A person should look into his matters, into his ways. Says that we should look into our ways and investigate them. If you look on the side here, there's an addition to the Gemara. If he looked into the matter and he finds something that was wrong, then he should repent. That we will return until Hashem. On the other hand, if he looked into the matter and doesn't find anything that should be the cause of these bad things happening to him, then you should suppose that it's coming from his wasting of time or neglect of learning of Torah. That praise be the person Asher to Serenuka, that Hashem afflicts them, and that will direct him to learn Torah. If he looks into that, he assumes that it's Bittul Torah, but he doesn't find that he's been Mevatul Torah. These are afflictions of love that are brought upon him. The way Rashi describes these afflictions of love is, Hashem afflicts him in this world, even though he has no sin that should cause this to happen. In order to increase his reward in the world to come, above and beyond what his merits should warrant, he gets this bonus by having these yisurim, these afflictions come upon him. Shneemar, ki et asher yev Hashem yochiach, wherever Hashem loves, and the rebuke of Hashem is these afflictions. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Zchor, Amar Rav Huna, kosher kosh bochu, chafetz bo, mitako bisurim. Anybody Hashem really desires and is appreciative of, he presses him with affliction. Shneemar, Hashem chafetz dako echecheli. That one that Hashem desires, Dakoi crushes him, hecheli, with afflictions, with pain. What happens if Hashem gives Yisurim me'ava, but the person doesn't accept them? Tamalomar, Pasuk continues, Im tasim asham nafsho. If he accepts the guilt of the nefesh, ma asham ledat, just like when you bring a korban asham, a person has to be aware that they're bringing the asham and what they're bringing it for. Afisurim ledat, so too, when it comes to the Yisurim, person has to take to his heart, to his soul, that he is guilty or that he is accepting and receiving that which he deserves. Vim ki blame. If he does accept them, maschoro, what's his reward? Yirezera yarich yamim. He will have offspring and he'll have long days. 
Vlod, he will remember his learning, Shinemar Bechefitz Hashem Biado Yitzlach, who Hashem desires and is happy with, then Biado Yitzlach. He will find success, or Hashem will provide him with success. What is the definition of Yisurim Shalva? These afflictions of love. If these afflictions happen, but does not cause a person to neglect the learning of Torah, that praise be the one who gets these Yisurim that is afflicted and yet still learns Torah. The other one says that this is the definition of these afflictions of love. That doesn't cause him to neglect davening. Shinemar. But the Pasuk says, Baruch Elokim Ashalaisir Tfilativ Chastomi Iti. And blessed is the God who did not take away my ability to daven and his kindness to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it means Tfilah B'tzibur here. I think it means the ability to stand before Hashem and to daven. We know that in many places, we're going to see this in the Gemara Brachot, that in order to daven properly, his mind has to be at ease, he has to be settled. So, Isurim causes a person to be unsettled. So, I think with the Bittul Tefillah that we're talking about here is that a person has to be in a state of mind where they can daven. And if the Isurim put him in a state of mind where he's unable to daven, those are not Isurim Shalava. Amalur Rabbi Ava, Braid Rabbi Chir Ba'ava, Achiyama Rabbi Chir Ba'ava, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Elu Ve'elu Isurim Shalava Hain. And then they both are correct. That both of these are considered to be afflictions of love. Shinemar, Kiyat Hashem Yehev Hashem Yochiyach. Hashem, the ones that he loves, he chastises. Elamatam Adomar Mutorat Chatalam Denu. What are you going to do with this? Torah Tchat Telamdenu then. Al-Tikra Telamdenu with a Segel. El-Telamdenu with a Tzere. So Telamdenu with a Segel means that he teach him. El-Telamdenu is to teach us. And that is that the Torah will teach us what will happen here. Devezemi Torah Tchat Telamdenu. You taught us from the Torah what will happen in this situation. Kavachomer Bishen Ba'ayin. It's a Kavachomer from the tooth and the eye. Ma'ashen Ba'ayin Shein Achad Me'verav Shel Adam. Shane and the ayin, which are single limbs of the individual. Evid yotzei behen lecherut. And Evid knani, if his master knocks out his eye or his tooth, he goes free. Yisurim, shemamikim kol gufo shel adam. Comes to these afflictions that cleanse the entire body of a person. Achad kama vakama, that they will set him free. That they will provide him with the rewards that he seeks. Just like by an Evid knani, when he has this pain or it happens to him, he's set free. So to over here. This pain or these afflictions that come upon you will, quote-unquote, set you free. Set you free means the ability to do what's right. What's the, what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be able to daven and you're supposed to be able to learn Torah. Just like by the Shane and Ayin, which is just one limb, the person is set free. Certainly over here, when we're talking about an individual's whole body is being wrecked by these Isurim, then certainly he should be set free. And that freedom means the ability to both daven and to learn Torah. Obviously, think of the Mishnah Avot, and bin Churim, Elamisho Sik Torah. They should end up in something that's negative. It's not going to be something that causes Bittol Torah or causes Bittol Tefillah. Rainu de Rishim and Lakish, this is similar to what Rishim and Lakish said. Amar Rishim and Lakish, Nemar Brit Vemelach, Nemar Brit Vesurim. It's a covenant said by the salt and a covenant said by Yisurim, by afflictions. Nemar Brit Vemelach, Tikhtiv Lotosh Brit Melach Brit, that there should never be a situation in which the salt is not placed on those items that are bought before a Kodesh Baruch Hu and the Korbanot. And there's a covenant by Yisurim, at the end of Mishnah Torah, when it talks about the Klalot, it says, Just like when we're talking about the covenant of salt, salt is a positive item here, it's something that 
quote-unquote, sweetens the basar, it's something that preserves the meat and makes it edible. Abrit amur bisurim, so too, the covenant that is brought by the afflictions, yisurim amikim kolomatob shel adam. Yisurim cleanse the entirety of the individual, they bring him to a better place. Tanya, Rabbi Shimba Yechai Omer, Shlosh Matanot Tovot, Natanah Koshboch Uli Yisrael. God provided, gifted to B'nai Yisrael, three wonderful treasures. And all three of them came through affliction. Elohim Torah, Eretz Yisrael, V'olam Abba. Torah Minayin, Shinemar, Ashrei Giver, Shirti, Serenu Ka, Mitorat Chat Elam Denu. So that's the puzzle that we've been quoting all along. Praise be the individual who Hashem afflicts. And that causes him to learn Torah. Eretz Yisrael dechtiv ki kasher yaser ishet beno, Hashem alokecha mi aserako. So today's learning, just like an individual will afflict his child, he will, in teaching a lesson to his child, will put him through trials and tribulations and difficulties. So do Hashem alokecha mi aserako. Hashem also afflicts you in his teaching you that the sustenance that you receive comes from Hashem. And it says right afterwards, Ki Hashem, Hashem is bringing you into a great land. Over there, the Sukkim are talking about the man that Hashem provided for Bnei Yisrael in the Midbar. And then it correlates that with entering Eretz Yisrael and the produce of Eretz Yisrael. So just like in the Midbar, Hashem is the one who provided for you the sustenance. So too, when you go into Eretz Yisrael, Hashem is the one who provides you that sustenance. But you see that the terminology that is used for Hashem's providing of that sustenance is miasreka. Haolam haba, dechtiv, kiner mitzvah, v'torah or, v'derech haim, tochut musar. Gemara is dividing it up into ner mitzvah, that's mitzvah, torah or, and then derech haim. Derech haim means the path of life, meaning olam haba, tochut musar, is full with reproach and rebuke. Tani, tana, kameid Rabbi Yochanan. Breitah was brought before, a member was brought before Rabbi Yochanan, kolosek b'torah, Anybody who delves into Torah and Gemilut Chasadim and doing acts of kindness, Vukovert Banav, and buries his children, Mochlim Loakovanotav, he's forgiven for all his sins. Samarle Rabbi Yochanan, Bishlomo Torah Gemilut Chasadim. I understand by Torah Gemilut Chasadim why you would say such a thing. Because, Dichtid Bechesed Veemet Yichuparavon. With kindness and truth, the sin will be forgiven. Chesed Zugemilut Chasadim. Kindness, that owes our acts of kindness. Shinemar, Rudeif, Tzedaka, Vechesed, Imtzachayim, Tzedaka, Vechavod. Person who chases after Tzedaka, giving to others, Vechesed, and kindness, Imtzachayim will find life. Tzedaka, Vechavod. In addition to that, he will get Tzedaka and Kavod. Emet, Zutora. Truth is Torah, Shinemar, Emet, Knei, Ve'altimkor. One should acquire truth and not sell it. And we learned in other places in the Gemara that that refers to the Torah. How do you know that someone who buries his children? So another elderly individual brought to Rabbi Yochanan from Rabbi Shem Bayochai. The puzzle that we just quoted before about the fact that Gemlut Chasidim and Torah are mechaper avon, ektiv hotam, and it says, by Yirmiyahu, Meshalem, avon avot, ochelk b'neem, that Hashem pays the iniquities of the fathers into the bosoms of the children. So you see the word avon is used in both of these instances, but in one instance the avon references to the punishment of the fathers being bestowed upon the children. So the death of the children for the sins of the fathers is the 
kapara that comes to the fathers, and that's by the death of the children. So, when it comes to tzorat and children, those afflictions are definitely not afflictions of love. So where it says, V'nigayim lo, is it really true that when it comes to tzarat, those are not afflictions of love? V'atanya, kol mi shi'esh lo be'achad mi'arba marut negayim alalu, enum elo mizbech kapara. Anybody who gets tzarat, one of the four colors of tzarat that cause it to be tamay, that's the equivalent of a mizbech kapara, an altar of atonement. Mizbech kapara, havi, yisurin shalavad lo havi. Yeah, it is a altar of atonement, but it's just not yisurin shalavad, it's not afflictions of love. V by Damon, alternative answer is Halan Haluhu. That's for them and that's for us. That's the difference. Whenever the Gemara uses this terminology, it means that one is for Eretz Yisrael and one is for Bavel. Rashi and Tosafot and the Gemara and Kedushin argue about which one is which. It's never clear which one belongs to Eretz Yisrael, which one belongs to B'nai Bavel. Over here, both of them agree. They just differ in the interpretation. Rashi says, Halan is for Eretz Yisrael. She'arei Choma Mekudashot Ba. When it comes to Eretz Yisrael, the walled cities are Mikudashot, and therefore if you get Sarat, you get thrown out of the city. You have to be outside the Machane. So because of that, that's really negative. So in that case, it's a Mizbech Kapara, but it's not Yisurim Shalava. On the other hand, for them, in Bavel, that is not Mizbech Kapara, but rather Yisurim Shalava, because they don't have Kedushah of Arei Choma. Since they don't have those Kedushah of the Arei Choma, the person remains wherever they are. And so that's Yisurim Shalava, not Mizbech Kapara. That's the way Rashi learns it. Tosafot says here we're talking about the time period of the Amuraim. And time period of the Amuraim, there is no such thing as Batei So how could Rabbi Yochanan be making a statement about Halan Haluhu when we're talking about the time of Amuraim where it's not even relevant about Arei anymore? So Tosafot offers another interpretation. They were makpid on Tum and Taharan Eretz Yisrael. A lot to do with the fact that they had Shumot, Masrot, and they had to deal with Tum and so in Eretz Yisrael, having a nega is a big problem. In Bavel, where they weren't so makpid on Tumat having a nega is not such a big deal. So therefore, in Bavel, it's Yisrael Shalava, and Eretz Yisrael, it's a Mizbeach Kapara. It, it's a good question, because the way the, some of the Rishonim deal with Tzarat and the Torah, say it's some sort of miraculous form that only happens in Eretz Yisrael, doesn't happen in Bavel. So according to that reasoning, it seems strange that the Gemara would even entertain the possibility that it was in Bavel. I don't know if it's exactly Tzarat or some form like Tzarat, and again, it's not Tamei, because the coin doesn't see it, he doesn't make it Tamei, the coin never is Metaheret. It's not really clear what exactly is transpiring here in terms of Bevel, but conceptually, there's an idea that Negaim can come in one of two manifestations. You have a Nega that can be a form of Kapara, and you can have a Nega that is a form of Yisurim Shalava. But they both do exist. It depends where the Nega is. If the Nega is an area that's public, then that's something that is a Mizbech Kapara. If it's Bitsina, it's somewhere that it's private, then those are Yisurim Shava. Ubanim lo. Is it true that the death of children or whatever happens with children is not Yisurim Shava? Ve'echidami. What's the case here? Ilem da'avul hu meitu. You say he had children, they passed away. Rabbi Yochanan, dein gamar da'asira bir. This is the bone of my tenth child. Rashi says over here he was carrying around a etzem, a bone fragment that was less than a kisora, so it wasn't a problem of tumata made. Others want to say that he was carrying around a shame, the tooth of his child, which is not conveyed tuma. But he would take that around to show people that he had lost his ten children and to be menachem them, to comfort them if they lost a child. Just a small drop in the bucket, I've lost ten children. So now Gemara says, Elaha, Dolohavale klal, Vaha Dolohavale umetu. 
difference between a person that doesn't have children at all. If doesn't have children at all, those are real Yisurim. person has children and they pass away, those are Yisurim Shava. How do we know that? So Rashi says, because Rabbi Yochanan was clearly a tzaddik. And if his children passed away, those must be Yisurim Shalava. Tosfot says, just because a person is a tzaddik doesn't mean that everything works out well, and doesn't mean that his children won't pass away. But rather, he says, the reason is that the fact that Rabbi Yochanan used this as a vehicle to comfort other people means that he didn't view it negatively. He didn't view the death of his children as being something negative, but rather as Yisurim Shalava. And in viewing them positively, that's why he was willing to use that as a vehicle to comfort other people. Rabbi got sick. Rabbi came to visit him. Are you enjoying? Are you comfortable with these Yisurim Shalava? I'm not interested in them. I'm not interested in their reward. He says, give me your arm. He gave him his arm and he cured him. Then we have a case where Rabbi Yochan himself got sick. Rabbi Yochanan entered to go visit him. I'm not interested in them and not interested in their reward. He says, give me your arm. He gave him his arm and he was able to cure him. Mar says, am I? Look at Rabbi Yochanan in the Why can't Rabbi Yochanan cure himself? Rabbi Yochanan before cured Rabbi Chir Ba'avo, so why can't he cure himself? The incarcerated individual can't free himself from the jail. It's only the individual from the outside that can unlock the cell and allow the incarcerated individual to leave. Rabbi Elazar Chalash, Rabbi Elazar got sick. Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan came to visit him. Pay him a bigger cholim visit. Chazad avakagani b'bayt afel. He saw that he was in a very dark house. Galia the dare. Rabbi Yochanan exposed his arm. V'nafel nahora, and it lit up the house or the area of the room that he was in because we know that Rabbi Yochanan was very good looking, extremely beautiful, and the shininess, as Rashi says, of his skin lit up the room. Chazia the hakav bochi Rabbi Lazar. He saw that Rabbi Lazar was crying. Why are you crying? If it's because you don't think you learned enough Torah, then so we learned at the end of the Gemara Minachot, that it says, by all forms of carbonot, the biggest and the smallest carbonot, and it's not important how much, but rather that you, what your heart is into and how much effort you put into it. It's the fact that you were not so wealthy, that you were poor. Not everyone is zochet to have both success in the material world and in the spiritual world. If it's because of children, Rabbi Yochanan pulled out again the bone and said, this is the bone of my tenth child. So what can you be upset about? So he has these three, ask him all these things, and he says, what are you upset about? I'm crying over this beauty that eventually is going to end up in the dust of the earth. I mean, that it's not everlasting, this beauty. He says, for that, there's a good reason to cry. And then they go ahead and cry. While all this is going on, Are you happy with these Yisurim that are coming upon you? I'm not interested in them, I'm not interested in their reward. He says, give me your arm. 
the problem before Rav Yehuda Rechua, the brother of Rav Salah Chasida, and the Rabbanon, or Rav Amilei Rav Adar Ba'ava Rabbanon, they respond to him, Lain Mar Bimilei, look into your matters, look into your actions. What am I suspicious to you, that you have some sort of suspicion that I did something wrong, and that's why this is happening to me? Well, we're not suspicious of you, but we're also not suspicious of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought this punishment upon you, it has to be for a good reason. Says, if you've heard any rumors about me, any bad talk about me, speak up so I know what I need to fix. We did hear some rumors about you. You do not give the prunings to your sharecropper. When it comes to the splitting of the field between the owner and the sharecropper, the sharecropper is not only entitled to the produce that is that is produced by the field, but he's also entitled to the prunings from the grape vines, as well as the stakes that they put in to hold up the grape vines. They split everything, and you're not giving them that. He says, you're not going to leave me anything. This guy is stealing from me left and right. He's taken everything. He takes much more than he's deserving of. The one who steals from the thief, it tastes the taste of theft. So even though he's stealing from you, doesn't justify you stealing from him. Two wrongs don't make a right. Just because he's doing the wrong thing doesn't mean you should do the wrong thing. Just because he's stealing doesn't mean you should steal back from him. I accept the criticism and I will give it to him. Some say that the some say that the vinegar, some say that the vinegar turned back into wine. Some people say that the price of vinegar went up to the point where it was the same or equivalent to that of wine, and therefore he did not lose out. So the lesson to be taken from here is Ravuna thought that he was justified in his actions. He says this person is wronging me. So if he's wronging me, then I can rectify the situation by wronging him. And what the criticism of the Chachamim was, both from the perspective of Huna as a Tamar Chacham, so it's inappropriate for him to act in this way, there's a higher standard for him, as well as the fact is, just because someone else steals from you, doesn't mean that stealing back resolves the issue. If you have an issue with the individual, you take that individual and get it adjudicated. You don't become a vigilante and take the law into your own hands and then steal back from him. Your stealing from him does not rectify the fact that he has stolen from you. It just makes you a thief as long as, as well as him a thief. Ikule, I think, is not literal. I think it's an expression. He's taken much more than he deserves. He's taken everything. Everything, not meaning that literally everything. He's taking much more than he really deserves. Alright, Tanya. There were two things that bothered me my entire life. That my tfila should be in front of my bed. That my bed should be placed between north and south. What does that mean that my tefillah should be before my bed? That he daven right by his bed. Adjacent to the wall and not have anything separating between him and the wall. By Chizkiyahu it says when he turned to Dam to Hashem, So lo teima lifnei mitati. So no, it doesn't mean literally in front of his bed, but rather ela emas amuch the mitati. 
close to my bed. Meaning, Samuch Lamitadi, as Rashi points out, is that he didn't do anything else first. I didn't do any other Torah. When I got up, until I fulfilled my obligation in Kriyachma and in davening to Hashem. Tefillah was first, then only afterwards did I deal with other matters. Right, right, right. That my bed should be laid out between north and south. Anybody places his bed between north and south. So here the literal translation is means your treasures will fill their bellies and they will be satisfied with children. So here the Gemara is making a play on the word Sunchat does mean that it means Safon. Between north and south, that will cause him to have children. His wife will also not miscarry in this case. So here, here, the tamale bitna means that their bellies will be full, the full means to be, reach full term. And so the babies will reach full term and they will not be miscarried. And now, the question is, what does this have to do with anything? Why is having your bed between the north and south have anything to do with having banim scharim? So Rashi says the reason is because the Shechina is found the Shechina is found on the east and the west and therefore it's inappropriate for a person to be between the east and the west. If he goes north-south against where the Shechina is perpendicular where the Shechina is that's more tzanua and that is more appropriate. And that's again what Tosavot echoes the idea that it's it's not when a person simply sleeps on its bed it's when he's together with his wife, it should not be placed between the north and the south. It's still very difficult, to be honest with you. I always loved the explanation of the Tamide Verebeinu Yonah. The Tamide Verebeinu Yonah over here explain what does Tzafon and Darom represent over here. Tzafon, we know in the Mikdash that the placement of the Shulchan was in the Tzafon, and the placement of Nara was in the Darom, in the south. And we know the Gemara says, we want this Gemara together, the Kola Rotzele Hashir, anybody who wants to be wealthy, Yatspin. To take himself northward, meaning focused on the Shulchan. Anybody who wants to become wise, yet dream, should take himself south, focused on the Menorah. And so the Tamina Rayonos tell us, we know when it comes to the forming of the fetus, that when Hashem, when the fetus is conceived, at that point in time, everything is determined about the individual, Chutzmi, and we have different Gemaras that say what's accepted from that. But in general, whether the person will be wealthy, whether it be wise, what type of individual, what type of characteristics they have are all predetermined at the time of conception. So the idea being that a person should place his bed between north and south is that a person, when they're being Meshemesh Mitato, and before the conception of the child, he should daven to Hashem for the qualities and the character of the child. Because that's the time where it has Hashbah. That's the time where it has impact. After the conception of the child, there's no longer any impact in those tefillot. So the Tzafon and Darom represent the Minorah and the Shulchan, the idea of wealth and wisdom. And so the individual should pray for that conception to be in a manner that affords the child that when it's conceived. And that's when the tefillah is worthwhile, invest in that tefillah, and to make sure a person comes to, with the right mindset to the Tashmish Amitah. Two people come together to daven, and then one of them finishes and leaves his friend. They rip up his tefillah. One who rips up his soul in anger, should we 
leave the land for you because of you. It causes the Shekhinah to leave Kedah Yisrael. It's a continuation of the Pasuk. It causes the Tzur to leave its place. It uproots the Tzur from its place. It says in the end of Dvarim, Teshi. Hashem gave birth to you, the rock gave birth to you, Teshi, and you're not even mindful of it. If he waits around for him, what is the reward that he receives? He gets these brachot. Had you just listened, and over here Rashi says, Ikshafta doesn't mean to listen, but rather to tarry. Had you tarried the mitzvotah, then your peace will be like a flowing river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea or the ocean, so on and so forth. All these brachot will come about to you. Now, this is said here about a person waiting for the individual, meaning that a person who leaves before the other individual causes him to lose concentration, his tefillah, causes him to lose the ability to daven properly. So Hashem says, I'm not going to grant you the acceptance of your tefillah if you cause someone else to lose that focus or covenant on their tefillah. And so I think that can be extended to general and shul. If a person talks in shul, a person backs in a behavior that causes other people to be distracted in shul, then how could their tefillah be accepted? If they're causing other people to lose out in their ability to present their tefillah properly, Hashem says that I can't accept your tefillah if you don't take care of others and you don't allow others to have their tefillah accepted. And Tosfot points out over here that this whole issue of waiting around was because in their time the shuls were out in the field and a person was left there alone, he would be scared. But our shuls that are in the city, they don't have this issue. Nevertheless, the re was machmir, diving in a way that made him the last one to leave shul. If in the interim someone entered the shul, he would wait for them nor does the fact that those people would feel comfortable, and those uh, it says, it's nice to be machmir for such a thing, you know, again, to make other people feel comfortable, so they will not feel pressured to finish davening or distracted, and in the fact that you encourage and help them with their tefillah, will also result in your tefillah to being accepted.